WSGLA North Syracuse, WSGO Oswego, W249BC Mattydale, W261AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. You know, I had this cheer trying to get somebody to make some noise. It's sad. Sick me, really. They have held their own again, and now they're having fun. Gerard, another perfect lob to Sidibe. Just be Alabama. Just be one of the five most tradition-rich programs in the history of the sport with the greatest coach ever. Awesome. See Buddy throw it up. Oh, okay. Okay, Buddy. Somehow they coached me into doing this. To the rim for Gurrier. Still at his feet. He's going to go all the way. It's a touchdown! Taj Harris, Culpepper found him with a beauty! 69 yards! Nice! This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. This is Orange Nation on a Tuesday afternoon. Seth Goldberg, Mario Sacco here from Channel 9 with me. Up until 2 o'clock, we will be joined... By Syracuse assistant basketball coach Adrian Autry on a basketball game day. A lot to get to. As I see concern already in our Twitch chat, Mario, uh, Steve will be back soon. We're, we're hoping that he's back sooner than later, but uh, happy to have you on board today. Thanks for jumping in and, and filling a spot. I'm hoping he's back sooner rather than later either. This lefty only has so many innings left in, the, in this arm for, for relief <laughs> pitching performances. Hey, I'm sure you'll. Uh, I'm sure you're, you'll make it through. I mean, look at, at the end. People get crafty, you know. Like Jamie Moyer is is able to like uh, get get through a couple extra innings. Maybe you, you push your crafty, way through, I right? Guess is what you could crafty. I guess is what you could call my <laughs> pitching performances back in the day. I love it. I love it. Well, well thanks pl- for having me. I appreciate it. Always, always enjoy talking with you. So happy we're going to do it here on on ESPN Radio and on Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. A uh, lot to get to, including the championship game last night. We'll get to that coming up a little bit later. Uh, although I'll say off the top, I, I said throttled. That was the word I used uh, yesterday about my expectations, and I feel pretty good about that one. Uh, after watching what what it was that Alabama did to Ohio State, but we'll get to that a little bit later uh, because we got to start with Syracuse basketball. They're, they're back. It's a game day, um, and they're going on the road now, a game that they weren't supposed to play on the road, and playing UNC, and and it turns into an important game here. Uh, you know, between two teams that really are, are not all, you know, n- not in two dissimilar positions. You know, they're both kind of bubble teams. Uh, UNC underperforming for the second straight year, uh, but I feel like Mario, and, and you know, correct me if you feel differently. I, I think this is going to be a challenge for the Orange, given what the strength of the Tar Heels is, and that is, you know, big men. Seth, these were two teams that uh, won the ACC rankings when I did them at the beginning of the year. These were two of the top six teams that I had in my ACC rankings. And you know, North Carolina starts out the year in the ACC with two losses to NC State and, and Georgia Tech, and you really don't know what North Carolina team you're getting. And you talked about the big men for this team. And Garrison Brooks was the preseason player of the year candidate uh, in the ACC. And, and Seth, now he's coming off the bench. So uh, what North Carolina team you're getting, they always cause SU problems. Syracuse, until that beatdown that they gave North Carolina at the ACC tournament last year, had lost nine straight against the Tar Heels. Roy Williams knows how to you know, dis- you know get to that zone. And, and he does it with the big man, getting him in the high post and and – out physicaling Syracuse down low. Will that be the case tonight? Or can Syracuse keep them out of that high post and force them to shoot from the outside where they're shooting less than, you know, 42% uh, from the field? 
Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's interesting, and, and really at the end of the day what it comes down to is Roy Williams is a good coach, but he's been able to figure out how to beat the zone. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it's because their teams are just immensely talented. They've won national titles since Syracuse joined the league. Uh, but with that being said, it, you know, you look at even some of the, the not-as-good Carolina teams, and, and the first one that comes to mind is what they did last year in February to the Orange right before the ACC tournament. They just kind of dismantled them. They know what to do, and, and always, always a signature and a strength of UNC teams is they're going to have big men, which is why I, I feel like the Orange is in for some trouble again tonight. I'm curious to see what happens, though, because if Barama Sadibe is able to come back, if he's able to be a factor, and Quincy Garrier can stay on the floor and, and rebound and play big the way he has for most of the season, then you would you would probably think that some of those issues might be a little diffused and, and a little bit... Um, you know, handled a little bit better than maybe they had been in previous years. Yeah, but if the key is if Quincy's going to stay out of foul trouble and stay in this basketball game, because realistically, Seth, what are you expecting out of Roma? Five, ten minutes at most if he does play in this basketball game. You know, I think you're going to see more of Robert Braswell in the way he's played. Coach talked about, you know, defensively, Robert knows that zone better than anyone on the basketball floor and the way that he's able to slide. But can he go against those bigs that North Carolina is going to throw at him? The key is for Quincy to stay on the floor, stay out of some foul trouble, and and limiting second-chance opportunities. This is a North Carolina team that 16 offensive rebounds, they're averaging uh, the best in the ACC. Don't give them second-chance opportunities when a team shoots less than 42% from the floor. Right, and and that's one of the most impressive things really about the game that we saw over the weekend is that Syracuse not only limited the damage in the rebounding battle and second-chance points, but won the rebounding battle against Georgetown. And part of that was because they kept Quadis Wahab off the floor, and we had a conversation about this yesterday, uh, you know, with Mike Waters when he was on the show. And maybe we should ask Adrian Autry about it, you know, coming up in a little bit. Jim Beheim mentioned it. Um, the idea that yes, Marek in the middle defensively. Um, doesn't help. It hurts you because of, of you know, he's able to be taken advantage of. He's not as big. But offensively, uh, Quadis Wahab struggled guarding Marek, and Georgetown had to make changes and, and do things differently than they would have liked, and it allowed Syracuse to be more effective rebounding because he was off the floor. And, and I do wonder if Carolina is going to have to do some of that or if Roy Williams is just going to say, essentially, I don't care. And we're going to do what we do because that's that's what that's how we play and who we are. I, I think he's going to say, I don't care. We're just going to do what we do and, and try and win a basketball game. And he's had success, as we mentioned, you know, nine straight until last year. And what he did here uh, last year in the Dome and the success that he's had. Yeah, I think you and Coach Beheim talks about, you know, you, you talked about Mareka and what he means to this offense, you know. He provides a different dimension out there for the offense that teams have to, you know, plan toward that. You know, you you have shooters, and and if they're on, you know, Syracuse is very deadly. But if they're not on, you know, we're going to be in for a long night. You mentioned Carolina as a a team that struggled shooting the ball this year, and and I think that um, you can look at Syracuse and and say much the same for the most part. You know, this this Syracuse (laughs) team – with, with, you know, what Buddy and Joe uh, and Alan Griffin really haven't done for the most part, it's it's been interesting to watch because they're so predicated on that. They're so dependent on that shot. 
And, you know, yeah, Buddy got going a little bit. He went three of six. Joe, three of four from three in just their last game. So maybe we're starting to see that turn the corner. But they really need that to happen. They really need these guys to start hitting what they're, you know, what, what we would expect them to hit and what the coaching staff would expect them to hit because that's the bulk of their offense. You know, we, we always say, and we've heard from, you know, Twitch comments, tweeters, callers, oh, why don't they dump it down inside? Like, to who? Um, that, you know, that's it's, not their offense. No, it's, and, and it's, let, let, it's not. Let's be honest with what, what Buddy and Joe do as well. And you've seen Buddy put the ball on the floor more, and, and he's taking it strong strong to the hole. But that's not Joe's offense. Joe's a, a spot-up shooter in this offense. What Coach wants to see more of is Alan Griffin being able to get to the free-throw line and, and being able to get to the rack more. As Coach said, he, he hasn't shot a free-throw in, the, I think it's the last three or four games. Um, he's someone that you want to see being able to attack uh, out of that three-spot. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Alan Griffin's lack of free throws. This team just hasn't shot a whole lot of free throws. You know, like, they, they just haven't. And it, it's surprising because, for the most part, they're good free throw shooters. You know, Marek has, has improved greatly in that area over the last couple of years. Quincy Garrier uh, is shooting really well. You know, we know Buddy, Joe, and Alan will shoot well from the line. They just haven't gotten there all that much. You're not going to get to the line when, when you're shooting spot-up threes. <laughs> exactly. Mean, granted, Joe, granted, Joe got fouled on a three-point uh three-pointer that he made against Georgetown, but the way you're, you're going to get to the free-throw line is in transition, beating the other team down the floor and, and attacking the basket or, or attacking the basket on offense and hitting the offensive blast and trying to get those second-chance opportunities. And, and quite frankly, that's not in Syracuse's game right now, and I don't know if it will be in Syracuse's game. Syracuse's game is predicated this season on being able to shoot from the outside and score. They lead the conference in, in field goal attempts per game, at around 62 or 63, I think it is, per game. So they get up their shots. If you make 45% of them, they're going to win a basketball game. If they make 39, 40% of them, they're in for a dogfight. Yeah, and if you make anything less than that, you're just not going to be in a game. You know, it's it, it's it's the position that this team is in this year, uh, given how the team is built. And, and I want to circle back to something that you mentioned earlier about Barama. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch how it plays out over the course of tonight. And, you know, whether it's tonight or this weekend, you know, whenever it is, um, at some point he's getting back in the lineup. And I'm curious to see how much he plays, in what situations he plays, uh, in what role he plays. Because I I think that, you know, going back three or four weeks, maybe right before their last COVID pause, you would have said, man, Quincy's playing great. Alan Griffin's playing great. How do you bench them? How do you take them off the court? Well, Quincy's had a couple of games here where he's had a rough go. Alan Griffin's had more than a couple of games where he's had a rough go of it. Um, It's all of a sudden not as crazy and not as difficult to imagine taking either of them off the floor. And, you know, you've also seen a situation where you've gotten beaten up inside and, and really could use Barama on the floor. Yeah, and it's no secret what he did at the end of last year and what a difference this basketball team was when he played that way at the end of last year. He was averaging a double-double. Uh, he, he was taking on bigs from other teams. You saw it last year in the ACC, you know, tournament game against North Carolina. Syracuse manhandled North Carolina. That was the last... You know, real game that I shot until a couple of uh, weeks ago um, down at the ACC tournament in Greensboro until the world kind of came to a screeching halt. But what he adds on the basketball floor, it, it's not necessarily the toughness that Brahma adds because because let, let's be honest, he, he yes, he, he's tall, but, you know, you're, you're not getting that physical pounding out of Brahma Sidibe. But he does. He knows where to be in the zone. He knows defensively, you know, 
boxing out when the shot goes up in that zone and, and how to get to the glass. And that's what you need. Quincy, you know, still raw, has played outstanding at the beginning of the year, but as you said, kind of needs to settle down uh, a little bit over these last few games and kind of let the game come to him. And if it is a spell of five, ten minutes to give Alan Griffith, to give Marek Dolajai a little break, you know, that, that's what you need in a basketball game, hopefully tonight. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that you, you do need that. I think you will need uh, Barama on the floor at some point. As we've talked about over the last uh, six weeks, really, since he got hurt. You're, you're going to need him at cer- some points, and I, I do think tonight is one of those points. Let's do this. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Uh, we got Adrian Autry coming up in a, about 17 minutes from now here on Orange Nation, and the phone lines are open the rest of the way after that. So we'll take a timeout. We're back on ESPN Radio and Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk with more SU Hoops Talk next. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Back on ESPN Radio, Seth Goldberg, Mario Sacco here um, on Orange Nation. Steve will hopefully be back soon. Uh, we're hoping he's back tomorrow or, or certainly later in the week to uh, carry us through on ESPN Radio. But we got plenty to do today as we'll have Adrian Autry, Syracuse assistant, coming up in uh, about 10 to 12 minutes from now. Uh, but Mario, I want to keep talking about this SUUNC game for the time being. And something I mentioned off the top where it seems like both teams are kind of in a similar position here. And, you know, they're both bubble. They've both only got seven wins so far. Syracuse 7-2. North Carolina has played a couple more games, 7-4. and four. Uh, But th- with that being said, you look around the ACC, and UNC was highly ranked to begin the year, and they've fallen out. Uh, you know, Duke is not what we thought Duke would be. Virginia's not as good as we thought they would be. Louisville's not as good as we thought they would be. Um, and all of a sudden, you're kind of looking around, searching around, trying to find where Syracuse is going to grab some of those quality wins to get into the tournament, and it's a little bit harder to come by, but uh, North Carolina on the road, even with what they are right now, would seem to be one of those. Absolutely. It's a North Carolina basketball team, as you mentioned. Seven and four struggled. They were, you know, at one point in time with within the top 15 in the nation and, you know, a couple of losses here and there. You know, but this is a basketball team that every ACC game set that they've played, I think, has been decided by five points or less. And even their last two wins uh, in the ACC, uh, a two point win against Miami, 67-65, in a game that they trailed for most of that game in the second half. And a one-point win against Notre Dame back on January 2nd. But their other two losses, NC State was a three-point loss, and Georgia Tech a five-point loss. So, you know, they're in every basketball game, even the other losses that they have on the year. Uh, Texas, a very good Texas team. Uh, they lost by two. And a very good Iowa team, they lost 93-80. to 80. So, yeah. you know, normally, normally this is a North Carolina basketball team that we're used to seeing in the mid-'80s and – and they're frankly not scoring the basketball right now. They're only scoring, you know, less right around seventy points a game. Yeah, and Luca Garza did give them some trouble. Luca Garza is going to give everybody trouble. Uh, yeah. <laughs> from Iowa we, we this saw year. It firsthand. We saw it firsthand here at the dome last year. What 
<laughs> what that guy's all about. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Uh, he's going to give everybody some trouble. Uh, you know, but but looking at some of the numbers, it's really interesting. Even sitting at seven and four, North Carolina right now is 29th in the Ken Palm rankings. And so, you know, if you're you're looking at this as kind of quadrant type stuff, and the Ken Palm rankings are not the net rankings, I I know. Uh, but if Syracuse were to go get a win on the road, all Carolina has to do is stay in the top 75. And and, yeah. and and it's a quadrant one win and a, a high quality win for the end of the year. So, you know, whereas on paper, maybe you're looking at this and you're like, okay, maybe it's not so terrible. You know, Carolina hasn't quite been up to what we thought. And, and you know, maybe you can go get a, a win on the road. It would still be a high, high quality win to, to pull off. Uh, and especially after seeing the way the ACC has started. Um <laughs> It can, can you name the, the top ten teams in order of the ACC right now? No. Um, no. Without without looking at it, it, it's been you know topsy turvy to say the least. And yes, you have your normals at the top. Louisville and Virginia have started off well. You know, Duke's three and zero. But I mean, Clemson, Virginia Tech. They, it, did you expect them to jump out to a three and one start? Maybe Clemson, Virginia Tech, definitely not. Uh, and then. You know, the bottom half of your conference is, is Wake, Notre Dame, and, and Boston College has struggled. But as you said, this is a North Carolina basketball team. At the end, they're still going to be there. It's still North Carolina. I don't think they're going to be you know, as bad as they were last year. And, and to pick up a win, especially down in Chapel Hill, uh, would be huge. And I, I'm curious to see what happens come March. You know, how, how do we... How do we kind of rationalize, justify, and compare all of these resumes? Because it's not a normal year. They're not playing a, a normal number of games. Uh, no circumstance is normal in this. And you're going to just have so many differing resumes uh, that I, I don't know what you do with that. And normally where I would say playing in the ACC, Mario, is an advantage. Um, given the way it's looked this year, I wonder if it is. To an extent, I would say that. But then you have these other teams. I, I don't think it's going to hurt. And I could be way off base here. I don't think it's going to hurt your Power Five, even you know, throw in the, the AAC. I don't think it's going to hurt those teams. Where it's going to hurt is, say, Colgate would get upset and they go 20-2 and two this year. You know, if you watch that basketball game, that's a very, very good basketball team. Right. Excuse me. And and they haven't weren't able to test themselves out of conference. Now now that was the Patriot League's decision, and because of the pandemic. But ACC teams have played some other teams, North Carolina playing a Texas, you know, uh, and so forth. Pittsburgh beating a Northwestern. I, I think that's going to help. You know, the ACC. Pittsburgh's so to say a middle of the road team in the ACC, and Northwestern's you know shown to be one of the better teams and probably the best conference uh, in the nation right now. So I don't think it's going to hurt those power five, six uh, conferences when it comes down to if a team is, you know, 19 and 11, so to say, getting into the NCAA tournament over yeah. someone such as a Murray State or something like that. No, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think it'll benefit the ACC, the power conference teams more. And, and I see this comment coming up on Twitch right now. Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk from Aaron T. 2001. Uh, he asked, if we win tonight, does that put us solidly in the tournament for the time being? Um, I think that you could say for the time being, uh, you know, it, it, would, I mean, it would say three, yes. Three games three games into the ACC right. schedule. Uh, I can't, I, 
I mean, this is a, a basketball team and any team I feel in the ACC. I don't see six, seven-game winning streaks in the ACC this year. I, I could be completely off base, um, but, but I don't see teams rattling off six, seven wins in league play. Just the parameters of what goes in because you don't know who you're playing week to week. Syracuse thought they were playing Clemson uh, a few days ago <laughs> in this basketball game at the Dome, and, and now they're traveling to Chapel Hill. Uh, after playing your rivals uh, on a Saturday night game. So really you maybe got in, you know, one day of practice before traveling down there. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's the reality of the situation. I mean, I think you also, it, it, it's, yeah, for now, I think this would put you in. It, the net ranking, uh, Carolina, is 53. So it's solidly quadrant one. In other uh, in other rankings, like Ken Palm, they're a top 30 team. So, yes, it would solidly put you in. But I think that everything this year, um, you know, the tournament and, and, you know, kind of tournament selection, much like everything else, much like game times and opponents and game locations, is so up in the air and so uh, so much needs that at this moment disclaimer on it because yeah, I, I just I don't you, think we know where we are. Yeah, no, you don't. And you've seen a lot of people, a lot of people smarter than me in the business that uh, you know saying the eye test has to play a factor at some point this year. You know, the the looking at a team, uh, you have a Marquette basketball team. I think it's beaten three top tens, maybe three top fifteen teams in the nation. Right. They sit at six and six right now, Seth. Right. So, how good are they? I, I mean, how how good are they? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, you know, it's it's all so weird because normally on January twelfth, teams have played a lot more than nine games. You normally have such a better yeah. gauge on these teams than than you do this year. You mentioned Marquette; that's twelve games. Normally, normally you've played fifteen to eighteen games by now, and and we're just not seeing that this year for obvious reasons. Let's do this. And they're all playing. Sorry about that. Oh, go ahead. We'll catch it back on the top. I was just saying, and they're all basically playing conference opponents. You know, Marquette's playing you know, yeah. a bunch of Big East opponents night in and night out compared to playing the University of Milwaukee's, or so to say. Let's take a let's uh, step aside here, and uh, we'll bring on Adrian Autry when we come back. Syracuse assistant basketball coach. He joins us every Tuesday at twelve thirty here on Orange Nation. That's next on ESPN Radio and Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. You know, I had this cheer trying to get somebody to make some noise. It's sad. Sickening, really. They have held their own again, and now they're having fun. Gerard, another perfect lob to Sidibe. Just be Alabama. Just be one of the five most tradition-rich programs in the history of the sport with the greatest coach ever. Awesome. I see Buddy throwing up. Oh, okay. Okay, Buddy. Somehow they coached me into doing this. To the rim for Gurrier. Still at his feet. He's going to go all the way. It's a touchdown. Taj Harris. Culpepper found him with a beauty. 69 yards. Nice. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation. Seth Goldberg, Mario Sacco from News Channel 9. He's sitting in for Steve today. If you're watching us on twitch.tv slash Talk, you're getting a different angle of the News Channel 9 office than you than you normally would get. You're seeing the other side of it. The, the, the ESPN logo is over my right shoulder where all the TVs are located. Yes, yes this exactly. This used to be the, our office. Did they ever tell you? The office where we're in now used to be where we used to do sports from. 
It yes. used to be the Orange Nation studio. Yes, I've been in. I've been in that studio when it was uh, still built up as a studio. I, I yeah. remember. I, I I believe there used to be a Jerry McNamara jersey and a uh, lacrosse yeah. helmet hang. Uh, you know, in, uh, among the decorations. <laughs> there is a Lemoyne lacrosse helmet as we speak. Love it. Very nice. We got to do show and tell in a break. Let's see what else you can find uh, in one of our commercial breaks. Uh, but let's uh, let's head back. Let's uh, let's head back to the phones here, uh, and and uh, we're gonna start the hour talking some Syrac- some uh, college football playoffs and uh, and the championship game last night. We got Scooter in Jamesville on the line. Hey, Scooter, good to hear from you. How are you? Yeah, guys, it's it's interesting that uh, Saban, what seven eight years ago, tried to get legalized against the uh, spread offense, or not, he, he was dead set against it because he couldn't defense it. And it's amazing. A couple of years ago, when they're losing to Georgia at halftime, it's been a very interesting conversation. Somebody probably had to say, you know, we're, you know, we can't go three yards in the cloud of dust and play defense in the zero. And that's when they put Tua in the game, and the rest is history. Now, now his offenses reflect today's uh, offenses. Now, and of course, he's got the you know, he's got great offensive weapons. He's got the best you know, players and, and speed, so it's amazing how he's changed his attitude toward the offense compared yeah. to how it was six, seven years ago, where he, he basically was trying to get it legislated out of football. Yeah, Sco- uh, Scooter, just real quick, and I'll let you go on. I, I, yeah. I brought that up yesterday. Like, I think it's amazing, and it probably had to do with watching Hugh Freeze and Johnny Manziel beat him yeah. up a couple of times but it, it's remarkable to see how you know he went from bo- most boring offense ever to okay let's bring in lane kiffin and and steve sarkeesian and let's do something just totally different well it's actually even more than the guys that he got right it, it, it's actually even more than that because remember the big 12 teams came in to the southeast conference missouri was just like uh, texas a&m in the first couple of years, Missouri was was always in the always in the championship games and had the same offense spread spread the offense. So, kind of changed the Southeast Conference because now everybody seems to throw the ball more. Mississippi got Lane Kippen. We'll see what happens to Mississippi State with Leach and stuff. But everybody kind of went to the offense. You freeze, obviously, before that. But the thing I, when I was watching the game last night, uh, it was interesting. That uh, first of all, the quarterback for Alabama reminds, reminds me of like a poor man Kurt Warner, because when he throws the ball, he throws in the spot where you can catch it and run. And if you remember those great uh, uh, St. Louis uh, uh, Rams offenses, a lot of it was after after the catch. They, you know, they would throw it, and Warner would lead him completely. So we'll see what he does in the NFL. But it's it, it, it's it's interesting. I know Alabama after watching the second or third game, it, you know, everybody's playing for second. And Ohio State and a couple crucial uh, when they when I thought there was a shot to stay in it went back to the run. I could, you know, when they had that fourth and one when they were I believe down fourteen or twenty one at the time to keep the drive going. What was their what was their play that's going to decide it? You you think Fields is your man? And what did they do? They actually ran a sweep. And, and you don't one thing one thing when you watch Syracuse play when they used to play Miami you don't run away from speed because speed catches you <laughs> instead of running forward or with, with fields with the option that was the play of the game guys because they don't pick it up which they didn't the game over so it's just amazing when you go back to your bread and butter Ohio State's play that, that meant everything it was a running play where Alabama basically on third and ones would throw the ball so that's the biggest difference but. Uh, there's things we can talk about later about the college uh, football, but things, some things have got to change. 
to go on uh, Florida college football. One of them is the instant replay. You can't, you know, you just can't uh, have every play be be uh, looked at because it just uh, it takes four or five minutes off the plays, and they have to go to the challenge thing because that just drives me crazy. Where you can have one drive and every play gets stopped. It's it's nuts. Yeah, it's good. I'm going to touch touch on one thing for you. I think the play of the game was was at the beginning of the game. When Alabama a couple of times on on fourth downs uh, went for it and, and got it, and, yep. and they said, you know, you're not going to stop me. But right, right from the right from the jump, you know, they weren't settling for field goals. They were saying, you're not going to stop me. I'm going to pick up. Yes, they were fourth and ones, fourth and, and, and twos. But you know, he he went out there and, and said, stop me. We're going to go put some points on the board and, and and rely on you know our defense and. And our offense, and I think that was the, the, the turning point in the football game right from the get-go. They, I could, they went for it and, and had faith. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, that stood out to me, that, that they went for it early, that they were aggressive early. You look at, at the way that game uh, was perceived to go, going in, you were going to need every point possible. And, you know, Alabama, the fact that Alabama went for it early and often that like they did, and then to, to juxtapose it, to look at the other side, um, Ohio State kicking that field goal that was utterly useless uh, when when they had goal to go. Uh, you know, the, just, just looking at how the two sides played it to me was fascinating. Um, not only did I think that Alabama going for it sent a message, but I thought the game was over as soon as Ohio State kicked that field goal because y- you knew that wasn't going to win them <laughs> you, the you game. You kind of felt that way. Yeah, you, you kind of felt that way. And, and I just – and I, I don't – I'm not a person that watches Alabama play week in and week out because you look at the scores and, you know, they're winning by 45, 50 points week in and week out. But to sit down and watch that national championship game and to see how – their offenses ran. It, it was it was just mind boggling to me that how they get their top performers, if it be a Harris, if if it be a Devonte Smith, how they get them the football. And, and he touched on Mac Jones and, and what he's maybe you know what he referred to him as a, a Kurt Warner. I, I think he helped this draft stock. They they got through as a, a great football. Yeah. A couple of plays that he was able to extend, you know, pressure right in his face and he dumps it off to Harris and, and Harris does the rest. You know, those are plays that when it came down down to it and needed to be made, they were able to make. And and the way they, they were able to get Smith the football in the first half was, was unbelievable. The, the play that sticks out in my mind is when they were down, I think about the five or six yard line, and Smith comes in motion and stops on a dime. You think he's going to come in motion and come the rest of the way, and the Ohio State defense is probably thinking that, shifting to that direction. He stops on a dime, goes back the other way, and Jones finds him out of the backfield, and he goes in for six. And, you know, it's a 14-point game, and it's downhill the rest of the way for the Buckeyes. Yeah, they uh, they they – they ran a similar looking play a couple of times, and and both times it went for a touchdown. It was extremely, extremely successful. Uh, let's get back to the basketball discussion here as we head back to the phones at three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We got Pat and Syracuse on the line. Uh, Pat, before we get to basketball though, was the winner of yeah, our man. chocolate pizza yesterday with with his uh, championship yeah. game score. So uh, good yeah. stuff there. Yeah, you know, Seth. After after I put put mine on Twitch, and then I, I agreed with what you said. It just seemed a little low scoring. Um, the margin was pretty close. It must have been a lot of people just were way off because I wasn't that close. But I'll take the pizza. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be a good treat. What do you got for us? So, um, 
So, Steph, first thing is uh, I, I wasn't on Twitter this morning, and I, I just found out from Jordan your announcement. So, first of all, congrats. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, I didn't know you were a, a big NBA guy. I mean, I, I knew you did the baseball with the Yankees on deck. Um, so, what market are you going to? Uh, working in the NBA's league office, so it's back down in New Jersey. Wow. Well, congrats for that, man. I mean, you know, I don't know if you know, but it's in your contract. You have to finish the SU basketball season post game. It's in your contract. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we got you. Kidding. We got you in good hands. Don't worry. Yeah, no, 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 no worries. So listen, here's here's Carolina. Um, I've looked at their roster. This is a really strange team. Um, they're they're obviously horrendous shooting, and I think they're a mess right now. Um, I think of any team in the country, um, they needed more practice time for sure because when when you, they're one of the youngest teams in the country, they got six freshmen. The matchup I'm looking at um, that's going to decide the game, in my view, when, when you look at their guards, um, R.J. Davis, I believe, is their defensive specialist. So if they put him on Buddy, um, I think that opens it up for Joe to have a big game, depending on who's his backcourt mate. Because when you look at their backcourt, um, you know we, we we know that their their swing guy Leaky Black, he's been there, uh, Quincy and. Um, Quincy and Hughes dominated um, them down in Greensboro. Black had a decent game, but he, he was nowhere near one of the most talented players on the floor. Playtech, um, I, I think he's a good matchup for us. It, it comes down to what they're doing with the point guard play. So they got a little point guard. He's smaller than Joe that started um, the last few games. I think his name is Walton, maybe? Or is it Davis? No, it's Davis. So there's R.J. Davis and Walton. So my point is, if Joe is guarded by not the defensive specialist, I think it opens up the game for, for uh, Joe. If they decide they really want to hinder the offense and what it's running through, and they put Davis on Gerard, look for Buddy to have a huge height advantage. Now, keep in mind, um, this is a rotation that's constant. So they're constantly, um, I mean, no nobody's even hitting 30 minutes a game. Well, my whole thing is – it, it, it's nice to hear the North Carolina beat writer say that Roy Williams, he adjusts his lineup depending on the opponent. Now, here's the thing. Like, I'm not all for tweaking the lineup, but what I, what I will say is you either basically you have to expose the other team's weakness or they're going to expose yours, and that's what this game's going to be about. So if they can't guard Quincy and Merrick because they're a little bit bigger and slower and we can get them in foul trouble – and, you know, we're going to play a lot of five out. I think we will win this game. And I think if we can't guard their bigs and they get up in foul trouble, um, it's a huge advantage for Carolina. Yeah. Carolina has way more depth. They, they, they are, they're playing 10 guys. They actually have more raw talent than Syracuse, and they actually have more raw talent than anybody in the league. But they're freshmen. I mean, this is a big class for them. This is, this is the future of Carolina. I mean, they got a couple – Borderline four and five stars. Um, I, I think Sharp's only going to be around for like a year. I think Brooks is overrated. I, I, when I saw he was the ACC player of the year preseason, I, I, I think he's garbage. I, I, I don't even think he's having a good year, and I didn't think he was that good last year um, compared to some of the bigs in the past for Carolina. So I look for Syracuse. I think it's going to come down to Griffin. Um, we don't know about Barama. Is, is that right? We don't know yeah, much game, about Barama. They say game time decision. And, and how about Frank? I would think that he's in the same boat. I don't think we know much of anything. You know, after 
you know, Jim said yesterday they've had positive COVID tests, and you know, if you connect dots, that that would make sense as one of them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a couple weeks before we see a rotation of how it's going to be set with with the whole what do you do Robert Braswell thing. But I will say that we'll win the game if we stay if uh, Merrick stays on the floor with Quincy, and we'll lose the game if Buddy and Joe play forty minutes. That's it. Yeah, Pat. Thank. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I no. I was. I was just going to say. I, I think with the rebounding, this is the game where I, I hate to say it, but Kadari can really help out on the weak side boards from 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 the top. And you know, you really got to look at between Woody Newton, Braswell, who is going to be better on the boards. I would tend to believe it's Braswell. Woody seems to be a little bit more perimeter, and Braswell has a better nose for the ball. So. I, I look for the rebounding. I think with Quincy, man, he's I, – I, I think Quincy will ultimately be a real pain for Carolina because they don't have somebody to really guard him. They have a bunch of bigs and a bunch of little guys. Black can't guard him. So I look for Quincy to really hopefully get back on stride. Yeah, thanks for the call, Pat. And I, I think it's an interesting point. I mean, Quincy's got to get back on stride for sure. Um, what you said about the bigs getting Syracuse's bigs in foul trouble I think is spot on. If, if Syracuse's – Biggs, if Quincy, if Marek, if Barama, if he plays, uh, get into foul trouble, they're, they're just not going to be able to win. Uh, you know, we, we've seen enough, out, or I should say we haven't seen enough out of the backup centers to think that they can really give you legit minutes. And, and I think that it's just such a big depth problem that, you know, you need Marek, you need Quincy, you need Barama to be on the floor just to feel like you have a chance. It's going to be that way all year. I mean, it's been that way for Syracuse basketball over the last few years. You, you know the rotation uh, that he runs now. And, and, yes, we've seen more of a Robert Braswell in the lineup. And, and Pat touched on the depth of this North Carolina basketball team. But just because you had depth doesn't mean these guys are playing well, uh, especially North Carolina basketball team that's, you know, only averaging, you know, toward the bottom part of the conference field goal percentage, they're dead last in the conference at less than 42%. Um, it's a basketball team that their leading scorer and, and Baycott only averages 11 points a game. You know, they got six guys that average, you know, six or more points a game, uh, but they have trouble scoring the basketball. They're getting their points on the offensive glass, plus 16 on the offense. They have 16 offensive rebounds a game, not plus 16 on the offensive glass, but they're averaging 16 offensive rebounds per game. That's how they're scoring the basketball. And can you limit that? Can Syracuse limit that tonight? Can you limit that to maybe, you know, 12 offensive rebounds uh, by North Carolina and they're not getting so many second-chance points? Maybe that gives you a a four-point victory. As I mentioned, every game North Carolina's played in the ACC has been a five-point or less game, and you're probably going to get that tonight uh, down at Chapel Hill later on tonight. It seems to be what North Carolina is this year. They're, they're not going to run away from anybody necessarily. And so, you know, if you can go and, and get a win, uh, it will do wonders for you, I think. As far as a tournament resume, it'll certainly help you out. And odds are this team's going to stay in the top 75. Uh, or I would expect North Carolina to stay in the top 75 in those net rankings. Let's take a time out here. We'll come back. we got a sound check to get to and plenty more. As we got about 45 minutes left on Orange Nation here on ESPN Radio. 